0: Ready to break an emotional sweat? Welcome to Emotionally Fit with me, Dr. Emily Anhalt. As a therapist, I know that staying mentally healthy takes work and repetition. That's why I'll share emotional push ups, short, actionable exercises to help you strengthen your mental fitness. From improving your friendships to managing stress, let's flex those feels and do some reps together. Hey there, Fit fans. I'm here today with Courtney Hamilton, storyteller, media maven, and founder of Goodnight Communications. Courtney, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, Emily, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And today we're talking about our fears and the things that we believe we can't handle. Something that I learned through my therapy and that I've gotten to support patients in learning as well is that it's not uncommon that the fears we have as adults are holdovers from when we were young. When we're young, we have a very limited set of choices and tools at our disposal. We don't usually get to choose where we live or where we go to school or which adults that we have relationships with. If as a kid you're in an unhealthy environment, you usually can't choose to leave or to make big changes in your life. So we do the best we can with the limited set of tools and resources we do have. Often that means that we build protection on the inside of ourselves. We build emotional walls and avoid things that feel unsafe. And then we become adults. And as adults, we gain control and agency over our lives, and we develop new choices and tools that we can use. But so often we forget that our fears developed in a different reality. We forget that we can reexamine the things we're afraid of and decide if they're still so scary. We forget that we might have the tools we need now to face those fears. So I'll share an example from my own life. When I was a young kid, I went to a little private school where everyone was quiet and very well-behaved. As a super rambunctious ADHD hellion, I did not get along with the other kids, and I was not especially liked by the kids or the teachers. But because I was just a child, it didn't really feel like there was much I could do about this. I couldn't decide to just change schools or go out and meet new people, and I didn't really understand why people didn't like me, so I didn't know what behavior to change. So to deal with the feelings of being lonely and outcast, I convinced myself that I didn't care what anyone thought of me. This was how I managed a tough situation. Not caring, or at least trying not to, was the only tool that I had in my tool belt at the time. And it worked well enough that I survived a tough elementary school experience until I changed schools and I found my people who were thrilled to run around and make noise and trouble with me. So fast forward to my young adulthood. I'd been in therapy for a while. My therapist knew me pretty well at this point. And I was talking about some group of people I'd met who didn't seem to like me very much. And I was telling my therapist how, you know, I am who I am. And if they don't like me, well, who needs them? And I couldn't care less. And my therapist said something like, you know, not caring about what people think is not your only option anymore. I was like, what? What do you mean? And she said, I know when you were young, not caring what people thought of you really felt like your only choice. But you have new choices now. You have the option to find people who do like you. You have the option to ask for feedback when someone reacts negatively to you. You have the option to just feel sad and rejected and to lean on your resources like therapy and the friends that love you to get through those feelings. So all this to say what worked well enough when I was young was maybe not working so well anymore. But as an adult, I had gained new choices and tools and resources that I could try out. So Courtney, before we get to our push-up, what do you think about this idea that we do the best we can as kids, but have new tools and resources that we can use as adults?
1: I love it. And I think we don't often look at that ourselves and say, am I still the same person that I was when I was a kid? You just kind of assume that you are. You carry that little kid around inside of you. And I think what you're talking about is kind of a mindset shift that takes you away from taking for granted that we are who we've always been, our skills are what they've always been, our circumstances are what they've always been. And really like taking a step back and saying, hey, like maybe all three of those things have changed significantly. And if that's the case, Maybe there's a lot more possibilities right now than we thought there were before. And that, I think, is a good framework. Yeah,
0: I love that because, you know, we carry our child self inside of us and we are affected by who that kid was. But I love what you said that our circumstances have changed, our skills have changed, a lot of who we are has changed, and we forget to remind ourselves of that. So to that end, our push-up today is to think of one thing that you might be avoiding because of fear. Or because of worry that you won't be able to handle it. So for me, that was avoiding the feelings I had about being rejected and/or avoiding people altogether if I didn't think they liked me right away. So for those listening in, press pause here while you think of your example or listen on to hear what Courtney shares. So, Courtney, what
1: example are you going to use for this push-up? basically a fear of being seen, which manifests in my desire to write, the joy that I get in writing, the fact that it's something that comes naturally to me. And I'm probably pretty decent at it given the field that I chose to work in. And yet I almost never write in my own voice. I'm absolutely terrified of how people are going to respond when they read it and the idea that they might respond negatively or say mean things. And it's just so much easier for me just to keep it to myself than to share more broadly for fear of just how people might respond and not being able to handle that response, I think, which really comes fundamentally with that. That's a great example. And as someone who has senior writing, I can say you're not giving yourself
0: enough credit. You're a phenomenal writer. So I love that you are using that example for this push up. So, step two of this push up then is to reflect on where that fear. Might have come from? Is it from an old story? Is it something you had to avoid when you were young because you didn't have a lot of choices? So, for those listening in, go ahead and think on that. And Courtney, I'm curious, tell us a little bit about your fear about putting yourself
1: out there being seen and where that
0: might have come from.
1: Well, I think where you think of yourself as a little hellion when you were a kid, I think I was this. Kind of creative little girl who lived in La La Land. I would have tea parties with myself. I would dance and put on musicals on the top of my swing set because it had a little roof deck on it, it as my stage. And you know, I think I I just was a kid how, who was having fun and singing from the top of their lungs. And the response was, uh, let's just say, pretty lukewarm if not negative most of the time. I, I think a direct quote from my brother at one point was that when I sang, it sounded like cats dying, um, which is not really what you want to hear when you're, you know, four or five or six. And a lot of these things are just typical sibling stuff and, you know, the stuff that you, you can brush off whenever you get to being older. But when I was a kid, we lived in the suburbs. The only folks I spent time with would be my immediate family and my one sibling. And I think the message that I pretty much got was when you open your mouth, nobody wants to hear it. And so I learned that to draw attention to oneself, to make a scene, to share creatively whatever is going on inside of you was not going to be very well received and that it was best just to keep it to yourself, both to prevent the hurt of the feedback that you're going to get and also just to keep other people from feeling uncomfortable. I think I internalized this belief that what I was doing was truly bad or unpleasant and I don't think I ever really was able to have the perspective to see it as anything else. Mm. So definitely it's carried through with me. And the phrase that I, I used recently with a friend was, I'm constantly oscillating between this extreme fear of being seen and this deep fundamental urge to run streaking naked through the neighborhood. And both of them, <laughs> you know, exist simultaneously. And it's just kind of a constant tug of war. And I, I have to admit the fear of being seen definitely has won for the most part. You know, what you're talking about reminds me of one of my
0: very favorite quotes by one of my very favorite psychologists, Donald Winnicott. He said, It's a joy to be hidden and a disaster not to be found. There's a part of us that wants to play hide and seek and run and hide, but if no one's coming to look for us, it's a disaster. It's truly painful. So I really relate to what you're saying this tug of war between wanting to be seen and also not wanting to be seen. So thank you so much for sharing that example. And so, step three of this push up then, is to explore what new choices and tools and resources you might have now that you didn't have then that might make it feel more possible to lean into this fear than it was before. So for those listening in, give that a thought. And Courtney, tell us a little bit about what those new tools and choices and resources might look like for you.
1: So- Kind of the irony is that I ended up choosing a field where I could stay hidden. I work in communications. It means I'm the invisible hand behind the scenes working with very talented people to help them raise up their voice. And as a result, I have a network of folks that I respect the opinion of who not only could I lean on for a little bit of positive reinforcement to get me that momentum to get out the door, but also who are there for me if I find myself in circumstances where I've pulled back the curtain a little bit and exposed just a little bit of what I'm thinking about to the world. And if it's comes back with some sort of negative response. It's not like I'm sitting there surrounded by people who are going to be like, well, you were stupid. Of course this happened. Instead, it's going to be people who say, oh my God, I remember when that happened to me. I felt like I was such an asshole. And then I realized that it wasn't about me. (laughs) And then I realized that actually it was about this other thing. And at the end of the day, there was so much more love for what I'd put out there than what I thought and what I realized. And I think it's, both the chosen family, the chosen network of people who can scaffold and who can support and encourage, but it's also giving them space to do that. Because frankly, I don't think I let them see me all that much either, which is probably a bit of a shame. Mm. Well, a few things came to mind.
0: First of all, I was thinking about how when you didn't feel seen or welcomed by the people that you loved and depended on the most, that was quite a different danger than the potential for not being seen or welcomed by people you don't really know while also getting a ton of support by the people who you love and who you trust so that makes so much sense to me and the second thing that came to mind is that you have been one of those people for me and i have really appreciated what it's meant to feel more safe to put myself out there because i have thoughtful people like yourself in my corner so thank you for that and thank you for sharing what this situation has looked like for you so the final step of this push up then only for those who it feels right for is to call on those new resources and tools that you might have and to lean into that thing that you fear. So for you, Courtney, I wonder what it might look like to put yourself out there just a little bit more today than you did yesterday to submit that piece of writing or to reach out to one of those amazing individuals who are experienced and have them look over something that you're not quite sure about or whatever it might be to summon some support from the people who adore you. So for those who are listening in, think on what that might look like for you. And for Courtney, I'm curious, is there anything that you might feel willing to commit to, even a small step in that direction that you can share?
1: I mean, first, before I go into it, I just want to like groan. (laughs) Like it's when somebody asks you to do something and you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't want to do it, which I believe is why you say people go to therapy because we know what we're, (laughs) what we need to do, but we don't know how to do it on our own. Okay. So I have a very close friend who works at the New York Times who has offered a number of times to look at my writing and, you know, suggest where she might place it. I have another close friend who is an extraordinary writer and editor who I often hire to help other people with op-eds who I certainly could lean into. And I definitely have a number of people who are experts on some of the things that I write about where I could have them take a look at it and tell me, is anything missing? Does it meet the intellectual standard that they have? And between those three things, I would probably have a pretty good chance at writing something that Resonates versus repulses, and isn't that what we all want? So I know I think it's you know it's definitely a leap though to put pen to paper to pull it together, and then to ask for help and to expose myself to that first circle because it it requires a bit of faith that they'll respond differently than those I cared about in the past. It does require a
0: leap of faith and it's completely fine if this 10-minute conversation did not shift everything inside of you. (laughs) But I think the goal is just to remind yourself, as you just did, how many tools and resources and people and choices and support and love and permission you have in your world now that might not have felt as present before. So thank you so much for talking about this with us, for flexing your feels and breaking an emotional sweat. And as always, it was so wonderful to speak with you.
1: Yeah, Emily, thank you so much. I will keep doing the reps with the hope that someday soon you'll see something with my name on it in print. I can't wait. Thanks, Courtney.
0: Thanks for listening to Emotionally Fit, hosted by me, Dr. Emily Anhalt. New push-ups drop every Monday and Thursday. Did you do today's push-up alongside me and my guest? Tweet your experience with the hashtag Emotionally Fit and follow me at Dr. Emily Anhalt. Please rate, review, follow, and share the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is produced by COA, your gym for mental health, where you can take live therapist-led classes online. From group sessions to therapist matchmaking, COA will help you build your emotional fitness routine. Head to joincoa.com, that's joincoa.com, to learn more and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at joincoa. From Studio Pod Media in San Francisco, our producer is Katie Sunku Wood. Music is by Milano. Special thanks to the entire COA crew.